Kia ora Itefano. Hi to everybody at Wainui Beach Church. So good to meet you. Uh, my name's David McGregor. I am the National Director of the Vineyard Churches of New Zealand with my wife, Liz. And it is such a privilege to be with you today. Carl and Shah are away on holiday. We really love those guys. And they've asked me to talk. And not only have they asked me to talk, but they've asked me to talk about sex. So the very first time I talk to you, that's the topic that they give me to talk about. So here we go. I'll try not to blush as we go along. What I thought I'd do was uh, talk to you about a biblical view of sexuality. You know, sex is viewed in lots of different ways in society. You know, the media gives us uh, one set of values and the government a similar set of values and the education system uh, give a set of values. And most of the views that we get from society are the direct opposite of what God says. Basically, what society says is that sex is your choice. You just do whatever you want to do. And so we have a choice within ourselves. Do we do what society says? Do we do what we want to do? Or do we follow what God tells us to do? Today, uh, I want to look at what God actually says about sexuality and so that we know the choice we have. The world basically says, do whatever you want to do, do what feels good, just don't hurt anyone. The problem is that all sexual activity outside marriage does bring hurt to people, even if it's just you that it hurts. You know, God has designed sexuality and He's designed it in a certain way. And when we understand what God has designed sex for, then we can make sure that we don't hurt ourselves and others. We've got three wonderful little grandchildren. And my oldest grandchild is a little boy, uh, Marley, who's actually having his birthday this week. Uh, He's going to be three years old. And uh, recently I uh, gave him a bus, a little toy bus, which he's absolutely loved. Uh, He said to me the other day, he said, Papa, bus doesn't work anymore. So I picked it up and as I turned it around, a whole lot of water poured out of the side of it. And I realised that this little bus that had flashing lights and all sorts of things um, had been put in the bath. Now, if you look at the instruction manual, you will see it says, do not immerse in water. Actually, my little grandson, Marley, loves water. He's been tipping water into all sorts of things. The other day, I actually saw him in front of our very expensive amplifier tipping water in through the air vent. A few seconds later, there was a bit of a puff of smoke, a bit of a bad smell, and our very expensive amplifier does not work anymore. Once again, you'll see in the instructions, do not immerse in water. Those instruction manuals are very important. And you know, it's the same with sexuality. It comes with instruction, uh, uh, an instruction manual, and that is the Bible. You know, when you read the Bible, you find that God has defined for us how our bodies work. He's defined for us how morality works. And he has given us the freedom to choose. He says, you can either do what I tell you to do, or you can do whatever you like. But if you want to do things in a way that pleases me, you'll obey the instructions and the instruction manual. See, God actually calls us to a standard. He calls us to holiness. And he makes rules in the Bible that when they follow, when we follow them, it means that we can do the very best for our lives. Now, just like that amplifier, I can do anything I want with the amplifier. I can immerse it in water. I can throw it on the ground. I can do anything I like. But if I want it to work well, I follow the maker's instructions. You know, a lot of people these days don't follow God's instructions. 
They have these crazy ideas. God just wants me to be happy. God will just bless whatever I do. God has grace for me, so therefore I can just live however I like. I will only follow God if He fits in with what I believe. But you know, the Bible tells us that sexual sin does damage you. And so it's really important that we do hear the way that God has designed our bodies and what sexuality is all about. And we see it in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 13 to 20. It says, Our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise our bodies from the dead by His marvellous power, just as He has raised the Lord from the dead. Don't you realise that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which belongs to Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the Scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honour God with your body. You know, here the Apostle Paul teaches very clearly that God has created sex for a purpose and that sex is to be inside Marriage, any sex that's not inside marriage, the Bible calls immorality, sexual immorality. And the Bible says that your body was not designed for it, that it damages you and it damages others as well. And the Bible says, flee from immorality, get away from it. And it actually talks about in that verse the fact that uh, sexuality is not just a physical thing, it's actually a thing that affects our soul and our spirit as well. It's saying that your spirit is joined to Jesus. And so because your spirit and Jesus' spirit are joined together, are you going to join your spirit also with a prostitute? Or are you going to do something uh, that's immoral with somebody else? Because you're bringing your spirit, which is joined to Jesus, into that immorality. It's telling us that you're affecting yourself, not just in, in a bodily way, but in your spirit and in your soul as well. So the Bible says really clearly sex is for marriage. Sex is protected and blessed if it is inside marriage. And this is for our protection. You know, God has designed uh, marriage just uh, in, in a certain way. Let's, let's read about it in Matthew 19 verse 4. Jesus said, haven't you read? At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh, so that they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. The Bible's telling us here that uh, a man leaves his uh, mother and father, a woman leaves her mother and father, and they're joined together. The Bible says they become one. That's talking about the act of sexuality. And it's actually saying that it's not just a bodily thing, but, but in the spiritual realm, they become one as well. You know, I see sex as being like super glue. It bonds your spirit with another person's spirit permanently. 
And that's actually a wonderful thing if it's in marriage because marriage, uh, you know, when we're in a relationship, there are all these things that come and compete for our marriage and they they can uh, very easily start to pull us apart. Marriages can um, be very tenuous sometimes and sex is the glue that keeps a marriage together. When you have sex, not only is it a physical thing, but also an emotional thing and a spiritual thing, and it's designed to permanently superglue you to another person. You know, sex involves the body, the soul, and the spirit. And so what happens is if you just have casual sex or with sex with somebody you're not married to, it's actually causing damage. It's breaking you apart in your soul and your spirit because you were not designed to have sex with a person and then split up from that person. That's not the way sex was designed for you. So the Bible's saying here that when a man and a woman come together, they become one flesh. They become one in body, soul, and spirit. And as uh, it says at the end of that verse, you're not designed to be separated, not designed to be broken. So the Bible tells us that all sexual activity outside of marriage is always wrong. You might say, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, the Bible uses a number of biblical words. One of the words is fornication. It's the Greek word porneia, and it literally means any sexual activity outside marriage. So you'll see that word fornication that will come up a number of times. Another word that the Bible uses is the word lasciviousness. It's a very old-fashioned word. It's the uh, Greek word eselgia, uh, and it means lustfulness or sexually trying to turn people on or sexually arouse people. Another biblical word is the word adultery, and of course adultery is sex with someone else's spouse. Then the other word that is used is the word lust. And the word lust is thinking wrongful sexual thoughts. So when you think of all those different words, let's look at them in the Bible. Galatians 5, 19 and 21 says this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, sex with somebody else's uh, spouse, fornication, any sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is turning another person on, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like, of which I have told you before, as I also have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, what he's saying here is that people are involved in, in lust and fornication and lasciviousness are not the people who are part of God's kingdom. People who are thinking, uh, people who are doing those things that are wrong are actually not part of God's kingdom. Uh, They have left those things behind. Now, the Bible says that even thinking lustful thoughts is wrong. And we see that in Matthew chapter 5, 27 to 30, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow, that's a pretty strong verse, isn't it? And what it's saying there is that it's not just the act 
of sexual immorality that is wrong, but it is also thinking about those things. You know, when you get a thought in your mind, that's not necessarily a sin, but when you fantasize, when you keep those thoughts there and you're playing them around in your mind, the Bible says that's where it becomes sinful. And when you let those desires continue on, they always turn into actions. So I always say to people, if you have tempting thoughts that come, cut it off at the easiest part that it is to cut off, and that is when you get that first thought. Flick it away. You know, we have lots of desires uh, in our lives. We have desires for food. We have uh, uh, desires sometimes to get angry. We have desires that make us go to the toilet. You know, we have all these things, these urges that, that, and people say, well, why does God give us urges if we're not allowed to go out and do the things that we want? Well, the thing is, the Bible says that we need to get our desires and our urges under control. And it's the same with sexuality. You know, sometimes I might feel really angry with a person and I might feel like going and punching him in the face. But I don't do that because I have my urges under control. I might get extremely hungry and, you know, just come into a shop and see food and and just start eating it, you know, picking it up and just stuffing it in my face. I don't do that because I know that's wrong. And it's the same thing with sexuality. Just because you see somebody that you find attractive or you have sexual urges doesn't mean that you should just go ahead and fulfill those desires. Jesus calls his followers to behave differently to the world. You know, in the world today, basically, uh, you know, the world says you have sex with whoever you want and however you want and whenever you want. Basically do what makes you feel good. But friends, that is not the way Christians behave. And it says that in multiple verses. Jesus says, uh, I want you to fulfill your sexuality only within the bounds of marriage. That's the way I've created it to be. So friends, all of us have a choice what we're going to do. We can just live however we want, and that's the way non-Christians live. But if we want to be Christians and follow Jesus, what we do is we follow what Jesus has told us to do. Uh, We follow His laws. We follow His rules. And that's the way we live to please Him. And the good thing about that is we know that that is the best way for us to live our lives. I have so many people that come into my office that have blown it sexually, having some sort of sexual activity outside of marriage, and it always messes us up, and it messes other people up as well. And so, you know, early on when I was younger, I thought, well, why can't we just go out and do whatever we want? But having been a pastor for so many years and seeing the carnage that uh, promiscuity uh, takes on people's lives, I realised that God is actually a very kind and loving dad. And so uh, in the book of Corinthians, the Apostle Paul lists a whole lot of different types of immorality. And then he sums it up in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 and says this, Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of our God. And friends, that may be where you're at today. In the past, you've been involved in all sorts of sexual immorality. You've done things that are wrong. You've done things that have made you ashamed. You've you've felt guilty. 
And the wonderful thing that we know is that we can come to God at any time and we can say, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I realise that that is not the way that Christians ought to live. From now on, I want to be your follower. I want to have your blessing. I want to be part of your kingdom. And we know that God will forgive us. So friends, if you are involved in things right now, even if it's wrongful thoughts, I want to just challenge you in Jesus' name, stop now. Don't think to yourself, as a lot of people do, well, I've done all the damage. I might as well just keep on going. Because each time you are involved in things that are sexually wrong, it destroys you a bit more. It damages you a bit more and it hardens your heart a bit more. Come to the place of asking God to forgive you and cleanse you. And don't get into the thinking that God will not forgive you for things that you've done because God will always forgive us. But then also don't get into the pattern of thinking, oh, well, I can keep doing this. God will keep forgiving me because really that comes down to mocking God. And the Bible says that whatever we sow, we reap. There's always consequences for the things that we do. Sometimes uh, you have to live all your life with the knowledge of people that you have hurt. And so the more you have uh, commit acts that are sexually immoral, the more people that get hurt. So it's always good to stop now. You know, one of the things I found really helpful is that when you've been involved in sexual immorality, it's good to sit down with somebody that you trust, a pastor, a spiritual leader, a life group leader, confess your sins and ask them to pray for you and ask God to forgive you. And then maybe get somebody to pray for you that the spirit and the soul ties that you've had with other people would be broken off as well and then ask God for a fresh start. And the wonderful thing about following Jesus is that God will always forgive you and He will always cleanse you. I love that wonderful verse in 1 John 1 verse 9 that says, if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. So friends, really what it's all about is making a decision who you're gonna follow. You know, we know that in the book of Genesis, Eve uh, came and saw the tree that had the fruit on it. God had said, don't touch that fruit, otherwise you'll die. And the serpent said to Eve, how come you're not touching that fruit? Eve said, well, God's told us not to. He's, he's, he, he wants to protect us. And, and the serpent said, no, God doesn't want to protect you. He wants to stop you from having fun. What could possibly go wrong with eating that apple? Go on, have a go, just, just eat it. Honestly, God wants to stop you from having fun. So we know the story that Eve went ahead and ate the apple and then fell out of relationship with God. And friends, uh, Satan's tricks are still the same today. You know, he he, uh, points to something and says, why on earth would God say, don't do this thing? God's wanting to stop you from having fun. God's wanting to stop you from being like everybody else. God's, God's holding out on you. You live how you want. You make your own decisions. Don't, don't. Let God decide how you should live. But friends, as Christians, we believe that God is our loving Father and He knows what's best for us. So I want to commend to you as we close today that your heavenly Father has got the very best plan for you. If you've messed up, come to Him and ask Him to forgive you. Get others to pray for you and pray for cleansing and healing. 
And if you're younger and never fallen into any of these sins, that's a wonderful thing. Make a decision early on that you're going to follow what Jesus says. You're going to follow what the Bible says. At the moment in the world, there's all these messages that are are saying, go out and do this and try this and experiment with this. And I tell you what, Jesus would say to you, all those things lead to trouble. All those things lead to disaster. Follow Jesus and your life will go well. Trust Him and He will lead you along the best path. Well, it's been an absolute privilege to speak to you today, even on this tricky topic. And I wanna pray a blessing over you, but I wanna pray for people who may have messed up in this area today. So let's pray together. Father, I pray for all the wonderful whānau at uh, Wainui Beach Church. I pray that you'll bless them and watch over them in these strange times. I pray especially for those uh, who may have made mistakes or uh, fallen into sin in the sexual area. I pray, Lord, that in the coming days they would take some time to ask you to forgive them, uh, maybe gather people around and get them to be prayed for and break off soul and spirit ties over them. And I pray that they would come to a place where they feel free from guilt, that they feel uh, completely clean and they can have a fresh start. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody uh, in Wainui Beach Church today that doesn't know you but wants to know you, that they would make a step towards you today. Maybe they would pray a prayer along these lines. Dear Father, I thank you that you know about me even though I don't know you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Lord, today I wanna ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Thank you that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin on the cross. I invite you into my life. I ask you to come and fill me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and I choose to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. What a blessing it's been being with you today. I can't wait to be up in sunny Gisborne around Christmas time and maybe get to see some of you then. You'll have uh, Carl and Shah back next week. And I know you give them a wonderful welcome. Been so good being with you. God bless you. Ka kite anō.